The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome back. Second hour, Audrey Salison here, Eric Franson over there. Five hundred one, your start time of the second hour here on the Full Court Press, one hundred six on FM, thirteen ninety AM. The fan, grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us. You can stream us online at one hundred six on thefan dot com. You can also look us up on podcast if you missed the whole entire show on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher, and more. Type in Eric's name, my name, or type in the Full Court Press, and you can find our show there. Uh. You, uh, Hi, IJ. You, what are you doing? Some mediating over there? Or, I mean, mediating? Yeah. Mediating. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Hey, really quickly, um, before we move on to our Utah State Aggie, Utah Jazz talk, um, a video came out last night in the Cardinals post game celebration. Of Mike Schilt uh, giving kind of this raw, raw speech. Now, this is in the locker room, Eric, and it is profane, laced, motivational speech. And a guy who recorded it put it out there for everybody to see. Your thoughts? I mean, it is, it is profane. I mean, but now, so people are like, well, that's a little bit too much for, you know, you saying that kind of language. On the other hand, Eric, what happens in a locker room stays in a locker room. Where do you stand? I, you know what, if it's, I'm, first of all, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of foul language. I just want to always make that clear. But uh, I think that if it's something that happens in a locker room, with your team, your guys, and you're celebrating something that you weren't expected to to accomplish that belong that's just between those guys in that in that setting I agree it's not for public consumption they're not doing it for the world to see uh it, it should be just for them and by the way this is on pure adrenaline you had just beat the Braves on the road in game five to advance the LCS you're going to be pumped up. Now, again, like you, I w- I'm not excusing the foul language. I'm just saying, I mean, look, they don't excuse foul language. It's no, how they are. But I, you know what? Also, you got to be mindful. If there's a bunch of cameras coming in, you got to know what <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people recording what's going on. Yeah, Chipper Jones came out with a tweet. So if, if there's a private, if it's a private celebration that somebody shared something with, then yeah, I have a problem with that. But if it's a public thing where you've got cameras, you got reporters, eh, yeah, maybe it's not it's not classy, but I can't really fault them for celebrating. Uh, Chipper Jones says this, and he actually kind of agrees with you to an extent. A, congrats to the cards on advancing. B, this video should not have been made available for public consumption. C, if you don't think about that the actions of another team or individual can motivate the other side, put this video on repeat till it sinks in. D, leaker of video needs to be dealt with. I would absolutely agree with you. Amen with that. Yeah, all of that. 
Chipper Jones, a former Braves man, uh, a now Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he had plenty of battles with the St. Louis Cardinals himself. But I, I agree. Look, when what happens in the locker room, though, needs to stay there. And if you are filming something, like, if there's a point where you need to say, I need all cameras out of here so I can talk to my team alone, then do it. And then you tell your players, put your phones down, turn them off, I want to talk to you. You can do that. It's okay to do that as a manager. It's okay to tell everybody that is not a part of the staff organization to get out and to stay out for a little bit while he talks to his team and then to uh, follow that up with, hey, players and anybody else who's in this locker room, turn your phones off. This conversation stays right here. And unfortunately, that's not what happens here. No, yeah. Look, it's... We're living in this era where everybody's recording everything and sharing everything, whether it's appropriate or not. And that's that's embarrassing, and that's unfortunate. I, in the heat of a moment, a coach shouldn't have to, or a manager, or team president shouldn't say, okay, no, wait, before we have some fun, make sure you turn off your cell phones, put them on silent, yeah, yeah, put, them in the, put them in the little basket yep. outside the door. I mean... You should be able to record yourself celebrating and having fun. Yes. But then there's a moment where you just But that's want for to you. Talk. Yeah. That's for your memory. I agree. That's for your I close agree. circle. 100%. It's not for to get it out there for the public. I mean, there's a point where uh you know, Bill Belichick, I didn't mean to say, but Bill Belichick like with cameras, like he'll allow the team's organization who does social media to have a camera in there. But it's like well after. it's So players come in, they shake hands with the players, coaches, and everybody. And then as soon as he's done with his little speech and then yeah, they do a um, celebration. We, we played really good, guys. Hey, guys you, we, can, you did good. But, uh, you hey, can celebrate and we, let your hair down. I'm letting we, my hair down right now. I'm screaming with joy inside. I am super excited. Is that your seductive voice? Yeah. Uh, that's just uh, Bill Belichick. Does it work on Mrs. Franson? It's my question. This is Bill Belichick. Super excited. <laughs> Congratulations. Yep. Good job. Way to go. <laughs> oh, I just got a new bit. Good job, Tom. I'm totally taking that. I'm going, oh, I got to copy that up. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I'm taking that right now. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah. Again, keep it here. I mean, but after his little, you know, post-game celebration, he'll have all the cameras leave so they can have just private conversations without cameras and p and like and he'll even tell like ceos and execs and donors or whoever's in that locker room that's not a part of the staff to get out so the owner will be in there the uh, the, the vice president will be in there and then the coaches and players and that's it that's all they want in there and it's 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 private and so that's there's a privacy to be in to having those celebrations and unfortunately for the cardinals um that has been definitely invaded to say the least uh, Eric, we're going to go with this topic, and here's why. By the way, the wife says that does not work on me, at least not most of the time. Well, then you're probably <laughs> not in really great luck, Eric, because neither do your looks. <laughs> the, Bill, the Bill Belichick voice does not come out at home. I about said something, <laughs> but I can't. I can't. I'll tell you off air. Uh, hey, we're going to – I mean, we'll talk Utah Jazz in a little bit. I want to start with this topic because I got a question um, via text message. Uh, Utah State Aggies again. Remember, Aggie Madness tonight, eight thirty at the Wayne Estes Center. Uh, Eric uh, David Johnson wants to know from you and I. We'll start with you. Who are you most excited to hear or see 
at Aggie Madness tonight. Who would you be most excited? You're going to be absent, so who would you be most excited to see? Um, That's a really good question. I think that I'm most excited about the people I don't know. Uh, the people I, I'm not familiar with, I want to see what they look like. What does Marco Anthony look like? What does Cuba look like? Uh, so the... I hate to just take a cop-out answer and group a, a bunch of guys together, but honestly, it's not one specific guy. I mean, it's exciting to hear Eric Peterson say that Bean is the most improved guy from a year ago, far and away. That That's exciting and curious to see what that what does that mean. But honestly, for me, it would be the uh, the newcomers, the new faces that we haven't seen before. What do they look like? I, I hope that's not a cop-out. No, that's, it's that's, not for a me, cop-out answer because you took be. mine. I'm excited to see the Virginia kid, right? I want to see if it's actually him being pouty and getting, you know, leaving Virginia because he just knew he wasn't good enough or being good enough but being exceeded by other talent that was ahead of him. And to see a kid, it, look, if he was recruited by Tony Bennett in Virginia, oh, man, what could he do here? Seriously, what could he do here? I'm excited to see what he can do on the court. That's one guy I'm really looking forward to. Another one is Abel Porter. The kid was a starting point guard. Um, uh, early last year, he, he took the position and and really took it took by the horns and ran with it the whole rest of the way. What's his improvements looked like? How does he look now? I know he's tried to put a little bit more muscle on to get bigger, stronger. Um, I'm excited. To, I'm interested to see what he improvements that he has made as a player. Um, sure. Because one thing I loved about him last year is that, I mean, he was not afraid to go to the hole on a dribble drive. He didn't care who was meeting him at the rim. He was not afraid to go to the hole. And, uh, and so that for me, excites me, Abel Porter and, uh, Marco Anthony. Now, speaking of people you're excited to see of, there's one particular player that everyone's going to be thinking about and one publication already has him in mind. Yeah, Sports Illustrated, they've put together their top 10 preseason candidates for the 2019-2020 National Player of the Year. And as you might suspect, some big names are on this list from big-name schools, like Cassius Winston, he's number one. He's from Michigan State. He's a great player, from, and he's a senior from the Spartans. Uh, Devin Dotson from Kansas. Jordan Wara from Louisville. Uh, Cole Anthony from North Carolina, Kerry Blackshear Jr. from Florida. So that's your top five. But uh, coming in, it's in all of these are from like marquee power programs, with the exception of number 10, Sam Merrill at Utah State. Yes. Um, And this is what Sports (laughs) Illustrated has to say about Sam Merrill. He was quietly one of the most effective offensive players anywhere last season, shooting 52.9% on twos, 36.9% from three, and 90.6% from the foul line, and leading his team in assist rate while, for the most part, admirably mitigating turnovers. Aggies might be the most intriguing team outside the power conferences, and with the Miyashketa working back from injury, Merrill will continue to be the focal point, and bigger numbers could be in the cards. Based on his track record, Avon did 50, 40, 90 season is within his range of outcomes. He made 45% of threes two seasons ago on 207 attempts. Accolades may follow. So that's what they have to say about Sam Merrill. Sports Illustrated, very high on Sam. Holy crap. 
<laughs> oh man. Uh Wow. Like where do you start? I mean with Sam Merrill. And okay, let me ask you this. What would not live up to your expectation or what would be below your bar of Sam's performance in the preseason? Like what would disappoint you? I mean, because we have all these incredibly high expectations of him now. Where, I mean, how high are they for you personally, Alan Sam Merrill? Well, with this makeup and the returning players back, I don't expect Sam Merrill to go for 25 points a game. I, I don't expect him to, um, you know, be, be scoring almost every every time down the on the down the court. Um, I what would be a below expectation is if there were a lot of turnovers. If there was some sloppy play, that would be disappointing. Uh, but if he's, even if he's, um, I, I guess if he's under double digits, that would be disappointing. If he's only getting eight points a night, um, not that it'd be disappointing, but I think that's the wrong term. And I would, I don't really like the question necessarily, but I think that it would be below what we could expect from Sam Merrill and below what he is, his potential is. And if that was consistently happening, then uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends. If the team's winning, sure, okay, doesn't matter. But uh, I don't think that we should, that anybody should be going in there expecting Sam Merrill to score 20 to 25 points a night for Utah State. I don't think he has to do that this season. Yeah, there might be a- some games where he does. But I think that there's there's enough returning talent that he shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, that was a horrible way to phrase that question. Watch um, your language in front of the lady, punk! Uh, my, my apologies, Chris. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it was. It was a bad way to phrase it. I, I, I think just, I mean, just a standard that he's going to be held up to by all national publications is just amazing to me. It's just absolutely mind-boggling to me, Eric. I mean, he's in all these things, and you're just like, all right, so what do you exactly got to do to keep this standard up for everyone to He'll keep thinking about you this way. I mean, and, and we looked at their preseason schedule, Eric, you and I did. And, uh, and I mean, the first, it's loaded in November and December, both in games and in traveling. I mean, in De- I mean, November you're in Jamaica, and then you're going straight to California. You're back home, but then you got to go to Salt Lake City, and then you head to Florida, and then all the way back across to Houston. Yikes. Yeah, the, the it's a really tough slate there with the games that they play, not just with the competition, but the travel that's involved. Um, I mean, they're they're going all over the place. That stretch from middle to late November until about um, well through much of December, they're traveling a lot, uh, and they're d- traversing the country. It's not like just back and forth between here and California, uh, they're going all over the place. But they kind of have to. Um, that's the only way they can get these games, and you have to be able to play these games to make sure you have that opportunity to make it to the NCAA tournament, whether you win the conference tournament or not. Yeah, that's... I mean, you... <laughs> I November's okay, because you have the five home games, and you got Weber State in there, and you mix it in. Just kind of a... Hey, let's welcome you into it slowly. Season games, right? Little cupcakes, if you want to call it that. Um, by the way, do they play UVU this year? Utah State? Yeah, I didn't see that on the schedule. Did I miss it? I am looking at it right now. I do not see you. You no, Utah Valley is not on the schedule. 
Huh. So, well, no, no Mark Madsen. She's so what? You can tell you really broken up over that, object. <laughs> I am, man. Remember last year? Okay, so I was gone last year for the U of U game. I think I was in Colorado for the uh, Rams-Aggies game. But I heard that crowd was just lit. I mean, it was loud, frenzy, fun crowd. And I was sad I missed it. I really was. And now they got a new coach over there, uh, Mark Matson. Um, I mean, they're, they're pretty much starting over. They lose Jake Toulson. Yeah, a lot of their key guys key transferred he to follow to their coach. Uh, by the way, that BYU game now looks even more saucy because not only do you have Yoli Childs coming back, but you do have Tolson there. That oh, that game could be a lot of fun. TJ Haas, that team's going to be good. I really think that team's going to be better than what people are saying. And they can make a run. I'm not saying they're going to beat Gonzaga, but I think they can make a run at a Western Coast Conference title appearance versus Gonzaga, unlike they have. I mean, St. Mary's has beat them pretty soundly in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that the BYU basketball team is going to be a little bit rejuvenated. Uh, I think they were they were performing below expectations based on the some of the players that they had. But also, their talent level at, at a lot of different positions really wasn't that great. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they had Yoli Childs, who's a really good player. But beyond that, they didn't have a whole lot. Uh, over the last few years. so Hey, really quickly, speaking of, and I, I just got to ask this straight up. I mean, they get beat after their bye or before their bye week, 41-35. Zach Wilson's out, from what I'm hearing, probably past the Utah State game. Maybe, maybe not. Jared most Hall likely. Comes in. Yeah, most likely. What, I mean, do they have, South Florida finally gets like their first win or second win of the year. Do they have a chance in South Florida to go beat them? I mean, do they have a chance with this Jaron Hall kid? Uh, maybe make a nice little run. Yeah, I don't know. Game. I don't know. If they lose to South Florida, they're in serious trouble from here on out. You know what? I, not to, to, to uh, detract too far off this topic, but so this Jaron Hall, he'll be the first African-American quarterback. Which is cool. To start a game for BYU, and that's cool. But there's a lot of people, a lot of BYU fans that... Whenever somebody says, hey, that's cool, that's great that he, this is happening, there's a lot of people like freaking out over this and like saying just such stupid Wait, why? derogatory stuff. Wait, really? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm not even going to waste my time. No, it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm interested to see what Jaron Hall can do. If he can give this team any confidence, because like I said, if they lose to South Florida, Eric, their bowl bid could be in, well, not serious jeopardy, because they do have four cupcake games, but um, they could be in at least kind of a, I guess, dangerous territory is the best way to put it, because after South Florida, they're at home against 14 Boise State, then they're at Utah State with Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass to follow, and San Diego State to close it out at San Diego State. My question is, do they beat San Diego State? No, I don't. Well, I don't know. There's still a lot of time between now and then. San Diego State defensively will give them fits and make it life difficult for them. Um, it, and it's a question of, does Zach Wilson come back or not? How? What do they look like 
with some of the adjustments they have to make in his absence, and with the running game too, with their their top running back now out. So, so if they lose, there's to a South, lot to happen between now and then. If they lose to South Florida, they have wins over Tennessee and USC. They will play Boise State, Utah State. Assuming they lose those three games, South Florida, BYU, or Boise State and Utah State, they would have to win out Liberty, Idaho State at UMass, and then beat San Diego State just to become bowl eligible. Yeah, it's an important game this what? Saturday if they want to be a bowl eligible team. Last question on BYU, and then we'll get out of the the mess it is because BYU is a joke. But what would be more important to BYU fans if you were to put yourself in their shoes? A bowl game or win over your rival? They have lost to Boise State, Utah, and Utah State the last three years. They've lost to all three of them. What would be more important to you, Eric? Bowl game, win over rivals. If I were a BYU person, yeah, uh, probably the rival. Really? Because the I mean, what bowl are they going to go to? Idaho Potato Bowl. Even if they do go, they might not even go to a bowl game. And for them, I think oh, they'll go. The to a bowl only game. thing they can salvage is a no. They'll a, go to- any pride they can salvage is by beating a uh, uh, a rivalry game. That'll be more than going to some obscure bowl game and beating an opponent that nobody knows about. Yeah, I, I think they go to a bowl game no matter what just because of that saucy TV deal they have with ESPN. I think they go just in that regard. Um, but yeah, we'll see. All right, Eric, it is time. You hold up the sheet. You call the shots. You know what I time it is. I call the shots. Okay. Yes. But you won't go and hold up the cards for me today. Eric, I've already told you. I'm really busy tonight. I've got... You are. And you do have a good reason. I've, I've got to mow my lawn. That is a valid reason. And I still got to finish out my Madden 20 season. I got to get my final game in tonight. Aggie Madness. That's the reason. All right. Let's do a pick six real quick, IJ. Let's do it. Okay. Six things we think might happen this weekend. Give me some here. I've got three. IJ has three. Love to have you play along with us. Shout out your radio. You're, you're streaming us on your desktop or on your phone. Either way. So my three things. Uh, I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz first. They have another preseason game against the... Um, this time it'll be against New Orleans. It'll be on Friday. George Niang points. Oh, jeez. In their preseason game against oh, New Orleans dude. Pelicans on Friday night. You fetch. I, I've set the line at eight and a half. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'm going to go. the over or the under? And who is this versus? The Pelicans. Over. I'm going to take the under. All right. College football. Mountain West. Cole McDonald, quarterback for Hawaii. They are at Boise this weekend. Oh. Touchdowns thrown. Two and a half. Uh, Cole McDonald, touchdowns. Uh, let me just, maybe not just throw them, but Cole McDonald, touchdowns. I'll just generalize that because every now and then he'll rush one in. So I'm just going to keep it general. Cole McDonald touchdowns at Boise at two and a half. Um. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say, oh, dude. 
What are you saying? <laughs> no, but you go first on mine. Over. I'm going to take the under. I want to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Nope. I've already written it down. You're no, taking the over. No. You ain't put it out. You can't do that. It's already that. in ink. It's already there. All right. Uh, Utah State went up against Joe Burrow a week ago, and he was fantastic. He has a big game this Saturday. You piece of crap. Against Florida. No. Joe Burrow you passing piece of yards. Crap. I hate you. 315.5. I don't give a crap. You pick. You just took mine. Under. I'm going to take the over. All right. What are your three odds? Well, who cares? Because you just took two of mine. <laughs> Kill. I hate you. <laughs> it's your fault. You told me to go first. No, my, well, no, it wasn't. You just went first. No, you told me to go first. No, you went first. Okay, fine. Oklahoma at Texas. Well, versus Texas. Red River shootout. Jalen Hurts. Total yards accounted for by Jalen Hurts. 350 and a half over under. Ooh, uh, that's a that's a good line. Um ooh, I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take the over. Okay. Um let's go. I have to make up a new one now, dude. Alright, fine. Let's do uh Oh, USC and Notre Dame, the Irish. Uh, you Notre Dame by 12 and a half over under. Uh, I'm going to take the over. Me too. I think they're going to beat the Smithers out of them. Tonight, my Patriots and your New York Giants. <laughs> they're not mine. Inactive for the Giants tonight, Wayne Gallum Jr., Saquon Barkley, Ty Davis, Chad Slade, Eric Smith, Sterling Shepard, and Yvonne Ingram. That is 63% of the offensive production that is out tonight for the Giants. Eric. New England forced turnovers. One and a half, over under. Ooh, forced turnovers. We haven't had that one in a while. At one and a half? Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the over. Me too. Okay, what's our tiebreaker? So we don't push each other all the time. Oh, yes, Eric, my lovely friend. You bring that up. Boise State versus Hawaii. What is your score? Ooh, the score. Um, I'm going to say... I'll say Boise State 31, Hawaii 28. I'm going to say, man, I, I, I just think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say 38 31, Boise State. 38 31. Yep. Okay. That's our pick six. So George Yang points at eight and a half. I went under. You went over. Cole McDonald touchdowns at Boise. Two and a half. I went under. You went over. Joe Burrow passing yards. 
against Florida, three, 315 and a half. Over for me, under for you. Jalen Hurts, total yards for Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry at 315 and a half. I went under, you went over. Notre Dame by 12 and a half over uh, USC. We both went over. Patriots forced turnovers against the Giants at one and a half. We both took the over. And then the tiebreaker, picking the score between Boise State and Hawaii. I got Boise State 31 to 28, and you've got Boise State 38 to 31. That is your pick six. You all know the rules. Derek will post it on social media. You can follow it and argue or agree with us all you wish. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to take a break. Coming back, it's time to talk some Utah Jazz. They get dominated by the Milwaukee Bucks. How and why, and does it even matter? That's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson here on the fan. Astros looking good in the first inning. Win a 65-inch 4K flat-screen TV from Lens Audio Video in the Preps Pick'em Contest. Presented by The Logo Shop. Sign up to play at 1069thefan.com. Pick the weekly winners of each high school game, and you could win one of 11 weekly prizes and be entered to win the grand prize TV. Go to 1069thefan.com, and you could win. It's the Preps Pick'em Contest on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I'm Jay Salas, and you're on the Full Court Press, 533 your time here on Thursday, October 10th. Eric Franson had to take off, and he has another commitment, so I'll be here walking you home. You know, Utah Jazz, with all the hype that surrounds this team, fans freak out like crazy over a preseason basketball game. I mean, you know this game doesn't even matter when they're when Quinn Snyder's not even wearing a tie, Right? He uh, had that uh, navy blue jacket on and the you know this nice suit. And he had this under green button up shirt with no tie. That's how you know that preseason just doesn't who gives a crap, right? But here we are. After the Jazz were flat in 133.99 in Milwaukee last night, Jazz fans just tweeting up a storm. The world's over. Oh man. Mike Conley's a waste. Wait, we got Bojanovic for this? Boy, hope we have Rudy Gobert back or else we're not going to even make the playoffs. Could we just dial it down? Can we all just take a deep breath for a moment? It's the preseason and it's game one. Yes, I get that Bojanovic and Conley on the floor together are all 14 combined. That Bajanovic was 0-4 from deep. In 34 minutes combined, the two were 0-14 from the field, though. Yes, I get that you didn't have Ingles and Gobert. But, I mean, we got to just tone it down. We're, we're, they are just fine. And I promise you that they didn't go into the locker room chucking shoes against the lockers, 
screaming and cussing and fighting. And they sat down. They realized it was game one of a preseason game. And they've got a couple more on hand. Regular season doesn't start until October 25th. And so, I just, I would hope that you all would just relax. Um, I'll give you a couple of my takeaways. Uh, first of all, uh, Tony Bradley is going to be really good. In 22 minutes, he, had, he was 7 to 10 from the field and with 17 points. You know, offensively, he was really good. He, can, he contri- contributed, um, had some nice passes as well, a couple nice bounce uh, backdoor feeds on a bounce pass for open layups. Defensively, I thought he was solid. I thought defensively he was really good as well. Um, Justin Wright Foreman's got a long ways to go. Uh, Williams Goss played okay. In fact, you know, when you look at the roster, it's between, I think Howard's going to be the final guy to make that spot on the roster. That would be my guess, to make it onto the roster. Everyone else will head to the G League. Um, in regards to the bubble guys. So I'd even put Wright Foreman on that list. Um, Tony Blue, or excuse me, Blue it would probably be on that list. Moutier will probably end up playing up. Uh, but I think Howard will make that list. And last night he in 14 minutes, 4-7 from the field. Defensively, he was just really solid. He was a minus 5, but in fact, looking at this list, everybody was a minus in something. Royce O'Neal was good. In fact, you know what? The great thing about Royce O'Neal is that he's not making the same dumb mistakes he used to. I feel like Royce O'Neal has learned to not make the the really small mistakes. And he's eliminating those from his game, which is going to make him become a very valuable player. Question is, is does he come out as a starter or the sixth man? Uh, Ingles was resting, as was Gobert. Exum is rehabbing still on the knee, so rehab and rest. You can put that together. And Moutier was out with a hamstring, uh, the left hamstring, I should say. On the other side, the Bucks. Uh, well, uh, Giannis looks like he's in midseason form. He had a couple crossovers and uh, just ferocious dunks. In 21 minutes, he was 8-14 from the field. He was 0-3 from deep, but he was 6-10 in the charity stride for 22 points. His uh, partners in crime, Chris Middleton, had 14 points. Brooke Lopez had 14. Bledsoe had 5. And Wes Matthews, how about that, by the way? Wes Matthews, former Jazz man, who is, uh, he ended up leaving Utah Jazz for a $34 or $34 million signing sheet for Portland. Became kind of the back burner on that roster. Left that, became a nobody on Dallas. And now he's starting. Well, he started last night for the Bucks. He had 8 points. Uh, leading the bench was uh, Bender with 11 and DaVinci. How about that? With uh, with 10. Pat Connaughton had 5. Kyle Korver, former Jazz man, in 10 minutes had 9 points. He was 3-3 three three from deep. Boy, they're going to miss him. I don't care what people say about Korver. They're going to miss his leadership, professionalism. And uh, just the veteran presence he brought in that locker room. I mean, you look at the roster as it is now. Sure, it's good. But the veteran leadership they needed, I think, came from guys like Corver, guys like Favors. Um, Man, they're they're really going to miss that. 
Speaking of favors, he had a nice little tribute as uh, he was playing for the New Orleans Pelicans. And in that game, he uh, he wore the Donovan Mitchell Spider-Man shoes. I thought that to be really cool that he wore those shoes. And, you know, think about this. Derek Favors came via trade of Darren Williams, right? And Devin Harris came along with Favors. Harris didn't last that long. Favors did. And sure, there were the times where we questioned about his injuries and his and his effort and his heart and his willingness to want to be on the court or even be on this team. But when it came to the biggest moments, Derek Favors always came to play. Look at the Clippers series when Rudy Gobert went out, right? Derek Favors was monstrous in Game 1. He was monstrous in Game 6. He was great in Game 7. And look at that Oklahoma City series. He was just the same. He was really, really good in the playoffs when he when they needed somebody to come alive. And he was really the most consistent as well. And off the court and in the locker room, players continually praised Derek Favors for his professionalism and for, again, that veteran presence and the leadership he brought on the team. But nobody's talking about Derek Favors last night when it comes to New Orleans Pelicans. Nope. Why? Because there also came along with it the number one draft pick in the NBA and the biggest hype since LeBron James. Zion Williamson, in 27 minutes, went 12 of 13 from the field. 12 of 13 from the field. And had 29 points. Derek Favors was, in 22 minutes, 3 of 4 from the field. He had 9. Pelicans lost, by the way, or excuse me, Pelicans won, by the way, 127-125. Okafor had 18, in 18 minutes, had 13 points on 5 of 5 shooting. Frank Jackson, 4-7 from the field. At 12 points. This New Orleans Pelicans team is going to be a playoff team. Now, when I watch Zion Williamson play, everything screams to me that he's NBA ready, that he is as advertised. But here's the thing. It's preseason. Come regular season, teams will scout him. And they'll dissect him. They'll find ways to stop him. Like, do you remember the whole Jeremy Lin sanity movement that was going on while he was in New York? And he had that streak of just wild, crazy, good shooting nights. And then all of a sudden, they were at the Miami Heat. And so what did the Miami Heat do? Scouted him, studied him, and he was shut down. And then everybody figured it out. Everybody else figured that it after of how to shut down Jeremy Lin. So sure, Zion looked great in a preseason game. With 29 points and 12 of 13 from the field. But we'll see if he can do that versus the Jazz defense in the regular season. Versus Boston. Versus Golden State. Versus the Lakers. Let's see if he can do that versus LeBron. Anthony Davis. We'll see how good he really is. Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit, shall we? Uh... Now, speaking of um, speaking of NBA, and we, you know, I know you've been listening. If you listen to the station all day, you've heard all about this China stuff, right? And and the uh, and just the way the NBA has handled the, the situation is horrific, to say the least. This is uh, a reporter just after the Rockets game. 
And a reporter from CNN has a question. And her question is interrupted. Listen to this. Uh, the lady in the second row. Thank you. Hi, Christina McFarland, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. Um, excuse me, we'll take the basketball questions only. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during during the NBA. I, this particular question has not been answered. James. Uh, shame on the NBA. Shame on you, Adam Silver. Because we thought that you actually knew to ha- how to handle these things. Unlike Roger Goodell, we thought you knew how to handle situations like this. No, you screwed it up entirely, messed it up incredibly. Lakers and Nets played this morning in China, but guess what? There was no way that the media or the press could ask questions to the players after the game because the Chinese were so upset with the way things went and the NBA was just wanting to avoid the situation in itself as a whole, that they decided not to have anything because they want the questions being asked to them. Players are frustrated. They're angry. They're livid. They want to know what's going on. They want to know how they're supposed to deal with this all. And you've made it into an absolute circus. Adam Silver screwed this up. Now, sure, it might be one of his just very few mistakes, but it's one of the biggest ones. China's one of the biggest fan bases of the NBA in the world. You take LeBron James to China, everybody wants to go see him. It was a sold-out crowd. You take Kobe Bryant back in the day to China, everybody wanted to see him. Yao Ming, no doubt, standing room only. If you want to get a ticket, get it one year early. But yet you found a way... To ruin it, Adam, or Commissioner Silver. By the way, Brooklyn Nets win, 114-111. AD and LeBron combined for 36 points. Um, Davis had 16, while LeBron had 20. Davis 4-10 from the field. LeBron James 7-15 from the field. Rondo was 7-13 from the field. He had 18. And on the other side, Kyrie Irving, who then exited the game because he was... uh, Inadvertently hit in the face by Rondo. That was 4 of 8 from the field and had 10 points and then he left. It just amazes me that the NBA cannot figure it out. And as the lady said, the NBA has been so flexible in allowing players and coaches alike to speak on political issues. Whether that was racism, whether that was political issues. I mean, heck, even the White House. Even Adam Silver came out and defended his players. But when it comes to money and making sure that the dollar, the silver dollar is getting slid into the bank account, you can't step up and defend the NBA. Or, excuse me, defend the right thing. Because it's no longer about the NBA anymore. It's about the right thing, right? It's about doing what's right. And he just absolutely slipped. 
And now he's trying to backpedal and it's not working. It's no longer working, by the way. I hope they understand that. It's no longer working. NBA came out with a statement later on today that they were sorry about the situation, saying it does not condone the Houston Rockets stopping a reporter from asking James Harding and Russell Westbrook a question about the recent China controversy. They went on to say a team representative inappropriately interjected to prevent CNN's Christina McFarland from receiving an answer to her question. We've apologized to uh, Miss McFarland as this was inconsistent with how the NBA conducts media events. Well, then how do you conduct it? Because guess what? You're doing the exact same thing as the NBA rep or the team representative, excuse me, did. You're doing the exact same thing. You're the problem. Not the team. The team representative is following your lead. Don't blame the team representative. Blame yourself. It's your fault, NBA. And it's, it's just a mess. And I feel bad for the players who are there. I really feel bad. All right, we got to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap this hour up and uh, get you ready for a Friday edition of the Full Court Press. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. I'm Audrey Salves at 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. It's hard to find identity when you're the king of land. Jay Salveson here, wrapping up. The second hour, 5.53 here on a Thursday, October 10th. High school football has two weeks left in its season. Speaking of wrapping up, they'll wrap up their region play for the year. Imagine that already. We're there. Uh, tomorrow, we'll feature the following. Beverly will be at Skyview. Green Canyon will be playing Logan. Ridgeline will be hosting Mountain Crest. So, here's how you can listen to those games. Ridgeline will have the uh, will have the rights over the broadcast tomorrow. So that will be Dave Simmons and Nick Zollinger. That will be 104.5 FM to hear that game. Uh, Green Canyon will have the rights to the Logan Green Canyon game. That will be on 100.9 FM with Craig Hislop. And Skyview will be called by separate broadcast because Bear River is out there. Sky will be uh, John Newbold and Rex Davis on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. While the uh, Bear River will have uh, Tommy Sorensen, or sorry, Tommy and uh, Logan. Tommy Sorensen and Logan Jones will be uh, calling that game for Bear River side. And then in UBA weekend, so remember, in our In the Know Wednesday, we'll have games next Wednesday. You'll have uh, Bear River will be hosting Clearfield. Sky will be hosting Providence Hall. Uh, Green Canyon will be at Woods Cross. Logan will be off. Excuse <coughs> me. Uh, and Ridgeland will be at Viewmont, while Mountain Crest will be at Bountiful. So uh, those will be your games. Again, you can find that all on CashValleyDaily.com. Go to the sports, you'll see the menu bar at the top of the page on the left-hand corner. 
Go to there, go to sports, go to local high school preps. You'll find the schedule. Click on that. You can also find the streams as well. Click on the stream if you want to listen on your desktop, laptop of some sort. You are more than welcome to do so. Uh, don't forget the uh, playoff schedule will be as follows. October 25th and 26th are home sites. November 1st and 2nd will be at home sites. 8th and 9th will be the quarterfinals, and those will be at home sites as well. The 14th through the 16th will be semifinals, and 22nd and 23rd will be your finals. So, on those days, they'll be split into four A's. So, of course, you'll have, you know, you won't have the 14th through the 16th of semifinal games on the four A. It'll just be one day. Still waiting on location, by the way. Haven't heard of location yet of what they're going to be doing on that. Um, as soon as we get one, we'll let you know. I've heard of a couple different locations, um, but it wouldn't. Looking for the semifinals, I believe Utah State, yep, they're home games for all those, so they couldn't do those there. Oh, no, that could be really, really interesting how they're going to be able to pro, um, provide those home sites, or at least the uh, the neutral sites, I should say, for the semifinal and championship game, assuming that one of these regional level football teams will make it there. Again, uh, you can go to cashvalley.com, cashvalleydaily.com, go to the top left hand corner, click on the menu button, click on local uh, sports, and then local prep sports, and you'll find the uh, schedule there as is. Don't forget, Aggie Madness is coming up at 8.30 tonight. Astros right now crushing the Rays. They lead it easily 4-1 uh, to one in the top of the third. We got four quick ones in the first inning. We'll see you now tomorrow night. I'm Nate Kreckman. This week in the Mountain West, Boise State keeps on rolling. The 5-0 Broncos, the best group of five team in the country. But what do we make of the West Division? We check in with the defending conference champions, Fresno State, and the surprise team in San Jose State. It's all this week on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the full court press on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.